0: Welcome to a special episode of Conspiracy Pilled. It is the 21st anniversary of 9-11 and our friend Siraj Hashmi from Twitter agreed to come on and talk about where we all were on 9-11 and how it affected us personally and how it affected our nation and to talk a little bit about the 9-11 conspiracy theories. And Siraj works at Rumble, so we get into some big tech censorship and the conversation flows really, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I hope you do too. Welcome to a special episode of Conspiracy Pilled on 9-11. We are here. I am Abby Libby with my co-host PJ Williams and Siraj Hashmi. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, excited to our,
0: talk to it's you, it's Siraj. <laughs> and uh pleasure. And we're just going to talk a little bit about 9-11, our experiences with it, and then tease some of the conspiracy theories just a little bit while Siraj is able to be with us. So I wanted to go around, starting with Siraj, where were you on 9-11 and how did it affect you and your family?
1: So I've written about this actually extensively uh, back in my journal days uh, at the Washington Examiner. And on 9-11, I was actually in Lahore, Pakistan. I was uh, in ninth, just starting ninth grade. And I was homesick for the day because pretty much it was a daily occurrence to always get sick in Pakistan. I got like the stomach of like a paper bag. <laughs> uh anyways, it was the afternoon. You know, school was just getting out. My my siblings were getting home from school. And the only uh the only uh like cable news channel that we got in Pakistan through our cable provider. Was Fox News, and they were reporting. It was Fox and Friends reporting that a plane had flown into the World Trade Center, and I'm watching this alone in my parents' bedroom because they were one of the only. They had like the one TV in the main floor that had cable, and I just ran into the other room, just telling my 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 family like a plane flew into the World Trade Center, and they all came gathering around. And sure enough, we saw the second plane hit the the world trade center and we knew like right there and then that it was a terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously everyone kind of went through the motions. Um, I have found out that my uncle was actually at the world trade center that day. Uh, he was in not, he was not in the twin towers. He was in like, I think like building seven, um, and luckily he had gotten out in time he had a meeting there that morning
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh but it was obviously like really uh, like he had a pregnant what my aunt was pregnant uh they had only been married for maybe you know a few months and so obviously very scary and
3: how long then, how long do you, do you mind if I ask how long did you find did you wait from hearing that news to finding out that your uncle was okay that must have been like really I scary. Didn't know, uh, I didn't know about it
1: until after I returned to the United States. Because what oh, happened okay. was, uh, so within 10 days after 9 11, my parents, uh, my family, and I had to evacuate uh, Pakistan because the Taliban and Al Qaeda put a bounty on all American heads in Afghanistan, <laughs> Pakistan. So we had to get the hell out of Dodge, yeah. and yeah. uh, basically, we were settled back where I was born, and that is Hartford, Connecticut. So when wow. I flew back in to JFK, driving back up to Connecticut, uh, you could still see the smoke in the air from the Twin Towers. Uh,
2: wow.
1: A week and a half later. It was, it was surreal. It was very surreal.
3: That is, that's that.
0: really intense.
3: Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. My story is not quite as intense. I think, uh, so in Michigan, we start school like right after Labor Day. So September 11th would have been the first or second week of of my fifth grade. And, uh, I didn't find out about nine 11 till I got home from school, which was really strange. Cause it happened at what 10 in the morning or something.
1: Yeah. Nine, and, yeah. Nine, eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah.
3: Nine o'clock in the morning. And I just remember school got really weird and they were like, we're not telling you. And I, it was this wasn't an experience for most people. Most people watched the, the reels at school and things like that. And some of the teachers kind of told their students and they're like, well, don't talk about it. And other teachers didn't, my teacher just didn't tell us. He's like, Hey, look, I'm gonna let you go home early today and your parents are going to have some news for you that, uh, it's kind of shocking, but I'm not going to do it here. And I think we got out of school like before noon that day because of wow. that. And they just sent us home and it was really, it was really weird. So I got home and the first thing we did was, you know, just watch the coverage just wall to wall for, I don't remember if I had school the next day, but it was just really strange time. And, um, I didn't have anybody, you know, in the world trade center, but I remember my dad was supposed to fly home that morning and he ended up getting a flight home the night before um i don't remember exactly where he was maybe he was in pennsylvania or something but uh we we're just all grateful that he wasn't stuck you know somewhere else unable to to fly home so it was kind of weird yeah, yeah i was trying to remember
1: who told me this i don't know if it was uh i don't know if it was one of if it was my wife or uh someone close to me but i remember someone telling me that they had literally missed their flight from i think it was from virginia to la or something like that and that that plane ended up being the one that i think flew either into the pentagon or into into uh shanksville or 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 in new york yeah it's one of those things where like yeah that's 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 insane there
3: there was a celebrity i think that had that story it was like uh i want to say it was tarantino for some reason i remember there was some celebrity that was like I don't know if it was. I I, I don't that's remember the where first the story person that came it, to by, mind. Like, I but feel I feel like I feel like this. You
1: know, you always hear one of those stories. You're like, holy shit, that like yeah. happened. I feel like that yeah. happened to someone that I know. Yeah, that's yeah. nuts. What was your experience, I was, Abby?
0: I was also in a third world country. Um, I don't know. Is Pakistan technically a third world? It is. Yes. Yeah, I was in uh, West Africa in Cote d'Ivoire. My family was a missionary family, so we had been there. Uh, I'm not sure how long, less than a year at that time. And uh, we didn't have T V, so we heard it over BBC Radio.
2: Oh wow. Which was
0: which was insane. I was five and uh, it was in, it was intense. We had missionaries in the air who had just gone back to the States who I think got stuck in an airport for like a week. It was just kind of weird stuff i'm very fuzzy on all of it but i know that there were some people we didn't hear from for a long time they were fine but it just took took a while for information to get back and uh yeah i didn't i didn't see all the footage until a couple years later when we were back in the states um i also know what an evacuation is like which is And interesting, because we, the country erupted in civil war over an election that went wrong. And they, uh, for complicated reasons, got really mad at all the white people in the country. So Hey,
1: that sounds like (laughs) like something very familiar to the movie I'm seeing right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was my story. And um, so we wanted to ask next, what did you think about... 9-11 9-11 at the time, like at the time, just getting your head around it, what had happened, and then the war started immediately after. And then what do you think about it now?
1: Um, man, so 9-11 at the time, obviously, it, it was a very surreal experience, I think, for most people. Um, I wasn't so focused on... <laughs> My situation, although I couldn't ignore it, but the fact that like it, it re- literally fo- forced my family to relocate, yeah, um, pretty much out of sheer, you know, safety concerns. Um, I can't really ignore, and I don't know. What's weird is that I've I have been back to Pakistan since I went back maybe several months later for uh, a week or two around winter break, and. Well, things were somewhat tame. There was a strict um, kind of like unwritten rule about how like if you are, you know, if you're definitely if you're not from Pakistan, you have no like um, like you obviously look foreign and Western and you don't, you know, don't speak the language like you don't go out at night. It's almost like it's almost like San Diego or Los Angeles today. <laughs> you just don't go out at night. <laughs> so it's one of those things where like, I think about that. And like, man, that's it. like, you don't think about how crazy it is at the time. Like 9-11 is legit crazy. And, um, yeah. I don't know how to, you know, rack my brain around it then. I certainly don't know how to rack my brain around it now. Um, it was obviously a horrible, horrific event that, um, was uh, in many ways very eye opening for me just when it came to just how i view the world because mm-hmm. most people didn't know i say most americans didn't know any muslim in their life mm-hmm. up until that point they didn't, certainly didn't know where afghanistan was and then I, I had like equal parts like people asking me about islam just because they had never met a Muslim before, in equal parts, people, you know, holding me responsible for 9/11 because I'm Muslim. So it's been it's been a weird experience, uh, to say the least. Um, and I guess as 9/11 turns 21, it's able to buy alcohol. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's one of those things where. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like I always think about that South Park episode where I think it's like twenty two years pass and AIDS is finally funny. I feel like we're nearing that point where you know, where we're, we're near like to me there are things that you could joke about right. mm-hmm. with nine eleven. There's some things that just people will never, ever, ever think is funny. But mm-hmm. like there are aspects that you could poke fun of, for sure.
3: Well especially um, I mean the, you said it turns twenty one it can buy alcohol there's there's adults now full gro- <laughs> full grown adults that are you know living and working jobs that were not either around when nine eleven happened or were way too young to remember and that's that's kind of weird for me I'm, I'm only thirty one but it's still like that was such a you know it's a day yeah. that nobody uh, above the age of I would say like eight eight years old is gonna forget probably even younger than that. So kind of, yeah, I think that being able to joke about it probably comes from the fact that there's people that are just so disconnected from it too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just about the disconnection or if it's like a defense mechanism, but obviously like humor is one of those ways to sort of, you know, confront that. And, um, because I, I think there's so many things in this life that are very depressing. Um, that you can you have to you have to laugh to keep yourself from crying. Mm-hmm. So with 911, I don't know if I was ever like legitimately like obviously it's a terrible event and like mm-hmm. I was shocked by it. Um, but like was I like crying tears after 911? Like n- no, I was just I was shell shocked just like every other American. Right, yeah. I didn't lose a loved one on 911. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 sure my life was completely altered by it, but it wasn't like um, It wasn't, you know, I feel like it was way worse for people who actually were in New York during that time. And, you know, I was just so far removed from it, even though I, you know, still affected me just as much as a lot, probably more so than other people. And I I guess... Being kind of like in the thick of it, it's almost, I'm not going to say that it is like going to war, but sometimes people have to like adopt a dark sense of humor, whether they're in the hospital, whether they're in war zones or anything like that, to sort of like get over that mental hurdle of having to like deal with it head on. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I've always kind of like dark sense of humor for that reason. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying Abby.
0: I mean, you, you lost your home. And a lot of people lost loved ones. And I think everybody in America lost some sort of semblance of what they thought was reality. It really is one of those events that just tore a hole in the fabric of what people perceived to be reality about the United States and how safe it was. And just something you could never imagine happening, happening. So I...
1: yeah and also i I will say this if if um radical islamic terrorism at least you know 21 years later was as prevalent as it was at least until like 2017 2018 Mm -hmm. i would probably argue that it still affects me but it's i for lack of a better term what's happening right now in this country, and I don't want to like bring in like current politics to what we're, uh, this current discussion, okay. but the way I see what's happening now, many people on ideological lines are being treated the way Muslims did 20 years ago yeah.
2: mm-hmm. just for
1: having different politics. So welcome MAGA Republicans to the to Islam. <laughs> do, you, do, you think um, part,
3: do you think part of that has to do with the fact that we pulled out of Afghanistan a year ago and now it's like we don't have that, uh, you know, distant enemy to look at overseas and that it's just no, kind of I don't think in it's itself. Afghanistan.
1: I think it's the fact that uh, back in I, I think it has a lot to do with President Trump defeating ISIS because ISIS was the big, right. big, yeah. bad terrorist group on the block. And, you know, in 2019, when Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was was uh, was murked and, uh, you know, it was a victory lap for the U.S., um, in addition to Osama bin Laden, um, dying at, literally at the hands of Obama because he went over to uh Pakistan, strangled him himself, uh, and then put two bullets in his head, uh, as he likes to claim. <laughs> uh, I it's just one of those things where, like, it, it's also Muslim on Muslim violence for one, right. um, but uh, it's yeah, it's almost like we always need a villain to to fill the void and once ISIS got toppled they yeah. turned inward.
3: I think outside mm. of outside of uh the failed Afghanistan pullout last year, people have not really been like you said worried about radical Islamic extremism since ISIS was defeated, so it does seem like there's uh, a need for a new enemy going on in this country right now unfortunately.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's actually insane. Um, yeah. And my dad was alluding to this. Uh, he made when the last time I saw him uh, a couple months ago, uh, I had gotten to a little a discussion with him. This was like around the time that Imran Khan, the Pakistani prime minister, had uh, basically been ousted from office. And one thing that he mentioned is how in Pakistani parliament it's very similar to what you see here in the United States, where like they talk about democracy being at stake. What they say in Pakistan is that, you know, the fate of Islam is at stake. So they make it about religion. Like here, they make it very hyperbolic about democracy that like we could lose our democracy forever. I was just all bullshit, but like, it's one of those things where you can't, uh, it's, it's, it's become part of the talking point that I almost think like, well, I've made this joke many times about there being like creeping Sharia in America. Like all the, all the, all of the infrastructure is there. You just have to replace democracy with Islam and it's, it's here.
3: Yeah. (laughs) There we go. And I do want (laughs) to, I do want to get into some of the conspiracy stuff in a minute, but like that really does make me think of that Biden speech last week. You know, I've said this a few times. If you read just the, or if you just watch clips from the speech or read the tweets, you would think that this was, uh, literally we were going to war with someone. If you had no context of like what he was talking about and he's like, you know, America's not done. We can defend democracy. It's not over. Uh, you would think that we just got attacked. You would think we were in nine twelve all over again. That's what that's what I've been yeah. saying.
1: One thing that's odd about that speech is that it, obviously it's deliberate. It's not it's not unintentional. The, mm-hmm. the 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 purpose of the speech, the the optics of the speech, all of that is by design. I think people need to to you know remember that. What's also interesting about it is that. Before Biden made that speech, there was tons of discussion about him being sort of like this decrepit old man, going senile, has dementia, you know, weak, not, you know, he's being controlled by, you know, other forces, like he's, you know, at the hands of a puppet master. And this particular moment was a time for him to sort of save face it was Mm -hmm. designed to make him look like a strong man because he was trying he's at least getting his critics off of the off of the platform that he is a decrepit old man and he has no fight in him now they're accusing him of basically being an authoritarian hitler right and it's just kind of an interesting paradigm shift that Mm -hmm. you're seeing
3: yeah it's it, there's a definitely uh, what was a hashtag pedo. Hitler's been trending on Twitter. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the the hashtag I've ever seen. Yeah. He's like,
3: I, I feel like I have two options here. I can either be a geriatric old fool or I can just be, you know, Hitler 2.0. And uh, <laughs> I guess the, yeah. I guess the second one was more appealing to him, but
1: yeah. and as much as I hate to make those comparisons to Hitler, like, I, I mean, I wasn't making them. I think you can look at it as, you know democrats are truly trying to be authoritarians because Mm -hmm. they view that anything that is opposed to them is a threat to democracy so Mm -hmm. if they really had a choice they would lock anyone who doesn't agree with them up if they really wanted to or just strip them of their rights right
3: yeah yeah. i mean kareem john pierre did say that if you're not part of the majority you're an extremist, so that's that's a pretty harsh line. Fifty-one to forty-nine percent make you know forty-nine percent of the country could be extremists. But
0: speaking of wild conspiracy theories that are yeah. totally not not yeah. true, <laughs> I wanted to ask Suraj: Have you dug into any of the 9-11 conspiracies? And if so, what do you think of them?
1: Uh, I have done a lot of digging, um, not because I uh, actually believe them, but because I was curious. Um, because I remember very early on um i'm sure you've heard of the uh that do- that like documentary called loose change
3: we're going to be <laughs> talking about that soon yeah
1: that that kind of like has like the obviously the infrastructure sort of sets the the foundation for like all 9-11 conspiracies um and uh the the talk that it's an inside job you know i try to keep a little bit of perspective on whether it actually was an inside job and i you know there were some arguments that they made that I was like, okay, that, you know, these things can be, uh, if you're really thinking about like how it is logically possible that two buildings had their entire steel infrastructure melt at the hands of, uh, jet fuel burning at a very, very hot temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, you could potentially see like the flaws of the overall narrative and how it just, some things don't make sense, but I, it almost seems like that is des- designed to sort of get away from the actual reality that, uh, who perpetrated it. I really do think that Al-Qaeda perpetrated the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Um, and it fits the bill of sort of like, both before and after 9-11. I mean, in 1998, you had the U.S. Embassy bombings in Nairobi, Kenya, and Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of those things where, like, yes, al-Qaeda is capable of doing such horrific things. I mean, they also tried to bomb the World Trade Center in 93. It's not like this is the first time they've had a crack at this. Yeah. Uh, and then everything afterwards, it's not like they didn't try, they, they had the terrorist attacks in, in the UK, they've had terrorist attacks in Spain.
2: Um,
1: and they've marked those dates as well as, you know, massive, you know, uh, dates of, uh, somber dates of reflection and remembering those who, who, who lost their lives on those days, uh, through, through those horrific attacks. And then, of course, like every offshoot of, of al-Qaeda, ISIS. Um, the fact that even to, as recently in, as the last decade, you have some of the worst attacks perpetrated by them in Paris, uh, even in New York. I mean, it's it's these huge population centers um, and the barbarity at which they've sort of con- conducted their operations. Um, that kind of, that's a reminder to me that I don't think it could have been an inside job. I think if anything, you want to make the argument that it was that there was the U.S. government definitely had uh, could have played a stronger role Mm -hmm. in preventing these attacks. Yeah. So, yeah,
3: you, you said earlier that it feels like we always have to have an enemy. And I think the two main conspiracies with nine eleven are the uh, they call it my hop and lie hop. So like my hop made it happen on purpose and lie would be let it happen on purpose. And uh, you know, there's plenty of other po- times in history. We could look at things like that. There's conspiracies around Pearl Harbor that the government knew about it beforehand. The Lus- Lusitania bombing, which got us into world war one. And right. we know that the CIA at least proposed to to JFK uh, operation Northwoods, the Gulf, Gulf of Tonkin and, uh, and Vietnam. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. That, but also operation Northwoods where they were, they came to JFK and were like, Hey, can we kill some American citizens and blame it on Cuba to start a war there? So we know the CIA at least <laughs> thinks this way or has yeah. in the past. So I think that that's kind of the, the interesting conspiracy here is, um, I know there's people that have said that uh, it was what what's the, the craziest one? The the hologram. Have you seen that conspiracy? The, hologram the holograms. <laughs> there's there no planes that hit the building, it was holograms. <laughs> Um, there's crazy stuff like that, but I think that there might be some. We didn't have the technology to-, to do that in 2001. Right? <laughs> right. It's insane. Like it would have just yeah, been we cheaper to get a good
1: hologram image, a realistic image of Tupac. You really think yeah. they could get that in 2001 <laughs> to the World Trade Center?
3: You know, what would have been cheaper than doing a giant hologram, which would be uh, flying buildings into
1: planes. <laughs> 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 oh my God.
3: Cheaper and easier and more believable. Yeah. It'd be a lot. lot Okay.
1: I could totally see the, let it happen on purpose being the most realistic possibility of all of these theories, because it is not unheard of that. There are those three leather agencies that truly are moving the needle in some of the most malicious and nefarious ways to change world events. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> we've seen it time and time again. You know, you have uh, obviously the CIA, uh, along with British intelligence, basically assassinating Mohammad Mossadegh in Iran to install the Shah, and then basically have their puppet in Iran. Uh, it's 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 not unheard of in Vietnam how they had um, is it Deng Few? I'm trying to remember of uh, the, the the candidate they had they were trying to run in Vietnam in Southern Vietnam, Who was more pro American. And then he got, he got assassinated before the war even started. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, gonna know drive, I know it's going to drive that. me nuts. I know what
3: you're talking about, but I can't think of the name either. Um, well, th- while you're thinking about that, I just want to play a little clip because I remember that I was very much against any conspiracy stuff that came around nine 11. I thought it was all mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous and I never looked into it and there was a few things and it wasn't until I was maybe 20 years old That I watched and I saw that people had shared with me and I was like, how did I not know this stuff? And it made me curious that we're at least being lied to on some fronts with 9-11. So I'm just going to play a little bit. It's a five minute clip, but there's this and I'll link it for people who want to watch this later. But uh, it's just like 9-11 conspiracy explained in five minutes. So I'll just play a, a little clip of this.
2: On the morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground hitting the Pentagon in the Budget Analyst Office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts.
3: So, I'm, I don't have to play the whole thing, but it was that there was that little thing in there, and some of that I, we could easily refute. Um, and I won't get into all of it because they do a lot of fast talking there. But the one that really threw me is that I think I was 20 years old before I realized that World Trade Center 7 went down. It was just like one of those things. It's like I just – you see the memorial year after year. You see the the two towers, you know, Tower 1, Tower 2. It's on all the shirts and all the coins and in all the songs and music and news reels every year. And then it seems like they didn't talk about the Pentagon a ton after that. You heard a lot about the plane that went down in Pennsylvania, but specifically – it really threw me that I was like, "How did I not know that a plane or that a to- a tower that was never hit by a plane collapsed on 9/11?" Yeah, that
1: one threw the, me. the thing. The thing about World Trade Center Seven, um, and I I don't know how far removed it was from the two towers, but from what I can imagine, it was at least close enough that it it sustained enough structural damage that it simply could not withstand. Staying, staying up. Um, That's at least my. um, That's how at least I view it. I don't know if it. I mean, look, anything is possible. I'm not saying that like anything that we just saw right there could be ruled out. You really look. None of us were on those planes that day. None of us were in the towers. We don't have the intelligence reports. We literally are basing all of our, uh, all of our views on what we're hearing from news reports and Mm -hmm. you know the people writing these reports are human just like us and every you know it's not like humans don't have an agenda they do there's almost always Mm -hmm. an ulterior motive behind all these things so can i fully rule it out absolutely not um do i think it's the do am i more likely to think that it's true not really I have to be uh, there has to be far more convincing evidence than just, you know, several things that don't make sense. There's a lot of things in this world that just don't make sense. You know, even just life itself, it doesn't make sense.
3: Abby kind of brought this up to me the other day when we were talking about this. Um. One of the things I find interesting about 9-11 is that no matter what you believe, you do believe in a conspiracy. Like, that's the thing about it. you either believe right. that the Saudi Arabian government, you know, worked with Al Qaeda to bring down the towers or you believe that there was uh, debt charges set inside of these towers or one thing or the other. But one of the ones that Abby brought up and you could probably explain this a little bit better is the uh, the idea that these towers should not have fallen down. After being hit by a plane, and that might have been a, a conspiracy, uh, basically to cut corners on, on the constructions part. So there's a lot of things there. Yeah, matter so, yeah, like, It could no have been so happened, many different, some, different some, some, human some, failures. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: It like the conspiracy could literally be that they cut corners with the bolts that that the rivets that put the towers together. That could be the whole thing. Is is that people I, wanted to do it for cheap?
3: I also read that it was built differently than other buildings as far as like, instead of having a webbing structure to keep it from collapsing, they basically did a centralized pillar mm-hmm. structure through the middle. So there's, there's some people that believe and it's weird because there's huge contention and we'll get into more of this later when we, when we talk about this more later in the week, but there's huge contention between architects and, and people like that of like, could the building have fallen down? I know some people have created models that said it could, some people have created models that said that's impossible, but no matter what, there is uh, there's more about nine eleven always that uh, will keep us talking about it and guessing. I think for a long time.
1: So, like, uh, like, like, just kind of like on the consp- if, since we're on the conspiracy bend, you know, it's just one of those things where I think about, you know, all the times that there have been like just odd occurrences happening in this world, and there's just no like scientific explanation for it. Mm-hmm. I think in that, you know look there there may not there may not be a reasonable explanation for why the towers fell other than what we saw happen that day mm-hmm. um, I also th- tend to think that yes there are there is evil in this world I do think evil exists in a lot of places including our own government in the United States. Do I think the U.S. government is so evil that it would kill its own citizens to try the stage of war? Yeah, I do. I do think that. But do I think they would produce it on such a mass level? I actually tend to think that the U.S. government is more incompetent than it is nefarious. So it seems unrealistic to me that they could carry out such a uh, large scale attack in this way or large scale event like this. Um and not have a single word of it like get out, right? Because I think
0: that's the single like most compelling debunk of the nine eleven conspiracy is just government incompetence. No
1: way. Not just government incompetence, but like if there was like if this was like one gigantic secret, like there's no way that 21 years later, like everyone involved is somehow keeping a lid on it. Mm-hmm. Either it was that tight of a circle, like, come on, there's so many people that are like looking to make a quick buck off of, off of stuff right. that they've seen in government. I, I know it's like kind of one of those things where like, you know, you never, you know, you take this with you to the grave, that kind of thing. And maybe that's the case here. But for the most part, like if, if anyone who is familiar with how our government operates, even just like, I, I just wish like leftists would understand, like, even if they believe that medicare for all is good policy and everyone should have like health insurance like there's no possible way that the us government is responsible enough to be taking care of that because they're just so incompetent and inept that's
3: a good that point that, that is a very good point um did you have any other question i i know cuz i know you weren't able to stay for super long and i wanted to talk to you about some rumble stuff if we could before yeah, love yeah, love to hear so, it. Did you have more questions for Mabby about about nine eleven?
0: No, my next, my my transition was going to be we're gonna. I didn't we're mean to step cover on this your toes there. <laughs> on our channel, we're going to cover Loose Change specifically the documentary because there's so much to the conspiracy theory. Yeah. So We just wanted to hone in uh, for this episode on the Loose Change documentary that started everything. And one of the places our channel streams is Rumble, and Siraj works at Rumble. Look at that! I'm so good at transitions.
3: <laughs> when I don't screw them up, you're great at it, yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you do at
2: Rumble?
1: Uh, so I'm the, I'm the head of creator partnerships officially at Rumble. So I've been uh, there since February uh, trying to build up the creator program um, and bring creators on board and just get them familiar with the platform.
3: Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things um, we're, we're recording this before we actually start the show. But one of the things that we plan on doing our show is we stream this out to a lot of different places. But uh, because of censorship and things like that, because we're all fans of Rumble, um, when we finish the main part of the show each week, we're going to go to a Rumble only segment. And talk with the audience that can write in and we'll, we'll cover more conspiracies and kind of dive deeper with with people that want to come over there. Uh, YouTube, we're never sure what we can say on YouTube. So uh, it'd be nice to build an actual platform uh, somewhere where we're not like every week going to worry about losing conspiracy stuff. Particularly used to be OK on YouTube. And now it's like you just never yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The original place where I saw loose change was on YouTube. <laughs> it's not there
3: anymore. Yeah, it's completely gone. I found
0: it. It's it's on some random channel somewhere with like eight thousand followers.
3: <laughs> you did find it though. I couldn't I did find, find it, yeah. it. Yeah. You know what's funny? Even Amazon took loose change off uh, unless you're in another yeah. country. So if you're an American and you want to watch an American documentary, you have to like VPN it out to like Australia or something. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Uh, so one thing uh, you know, and this is kind of like the nice tie in here about Rumble and kind of like where we stand. And the fact that you're focusing on conspiracies, like everything that we've seen, at least in the last couple of years with COVID and soon enough, probably with the election in 2020, a lot of this stuff is coming true. And like they're mm-hmm. like like the the pushback against this stuff, even the idea of suggesting it is so fierce that it's starting to get a lot of people to think, all right why are they pushing back so hard against these ideas? All they have to do is just not pay attention. And instead they're giving it even more attention and basically it providing oxygen to that fire and letting it even, it turn into a, basically a wildfire where, uh, you know, it could have been just a dumb idea. now that you got half the popular half the country believing something happened when the other half doesn't believe that, you know, it happened mm-hmm. at all. So this is one thing that I always have to look at, uh, If you ever go on Twitter, which I'm sure you both do, there is obviously the trending news section you have on the right of your timeline when you're on your, your desktop. And, uh, today before, you know, this afternoon before we recorded the show, I'm randomly seeing a, uh, a section within the what's happening category at the very top saying that there's no, uh, evidence uh, to prove that the, there was widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Completely out of the blue. It's, August, it's September 2022, and they're still talking about the 2020 election and whether it was fraudulent or not.
3: You want to talk about government incompetence. I mean, isn't that kind of incompetence to be like, we don't understand how conspiracy theorists work. The more that we tell them that, you know, (laughs) to shut up and the more we tell them that it's not real, the more they're going to go, I really starting to think it is real now. Like if you were quiet about it, I probably would have forgot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. To me, it's insane because uh, like, look, 2016 there was Gate. There was the, the conspiracy that Trump worked in coordination with the Kremlin to literally steal a U.S. presidential election. And there are many liberals who still won't let go of it. I like to kind of focus on... Th- I mean one thing I do at Rumble and one thing I the reason why I'm so passionate about what I do right now is I think it's very important to can maintain that free and open internet. Like I don't care what your views are, you know, that Voltaire quote, uh I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend your de- defend to the death your right to say it. I think it's an, an incredibly imperative for a platform to actually remain neutral. And the beautiful thing at Rumble is that we bring on people from the left, right, and center. It doesn't matter. Like People would only call us right-wing because we platform people who are canceled by the, the, the corporate media, by the, the mainstream, and ha- they just so happen to be people on the right-wing. Uh, so they think that we're just like condoning all of that. They called us a Russian propaganda uh, like enabler simply because uh during the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the initial phases of it when YouTube banned RT Rumble didn't do anything we literally we didn't even like talk to them we didn't promote them or anything we just didn't remove their channel
3: right yeah
1: the, you have us remove a channel that undo, that undoes the entire mission of what Rumble mm-hmm. is supposed to be about yeah. so, it what, what I'm seeing happen right now is we live in a, we, it's not just a nanny state, it's a nanny world, like the corporate, uh, global corporations have taken on the position of basically being uh, all of our nannies and they don't think we know what's right from wrong and they are trying to spoon feed us into thinking one way or another. And if we don't think it in that way that they deem to be sanctioned or, you know, Great, you're deemed an enemy of the state. You're you're deplatformed, depersoned. Uh, you lose your voice, and basically, in this day and age, uh, the main voice that all people have, no matter how big or small you are, is digitally on social media. That's like the biggest mm-hmm. like outlet that uh, most people. I mean, look, uh, without social media, you would never invite me on. No one knows who the hell I am. I it was only through social we media. Yeah. Yeah, it was only through social media that people were like paying attention to anything I had to say, and literally, like I'm not saying anything. I'm just pointing <laughs> out the ridiculousness of things. So it's, it, you know, you could I could say that like Twitter means nothing to me, and uh, you know, Rumble or Facebook or any of these social media platforms mean nothing to me. But in reality, they mean a great deal to me and to many other people, and that's why it's so important that they may, that they maintain their status as being neutral. Uh, as opposed to being arbiters of what is, you know, considered acceptable versus unacceptable forms of speech,
3: right? I mean, especially with COVID, we were pushed into staying in our homes, and the only way to speak the the di- the digital town square did become things like Twitter and YouTube and stuff like that. Um, so it was it wasn't just like oh, you can go outside of this place and have have speech. That's where the political speech happens. That's where all of us share and get ideas. Um, and further to your point, like as far as the the Ukraine stuff. Um, it is funny to me, like the more, more and more and more, it seems like, uh, they shut up ideas that we find out six months later were entirely true. You know, (laughs) the, the Ukraine stuff, we did have the, the labs that weren't real. And then it's like, well, they are real, but, uh, we're not going to talk about it. And
1: it's insane. Like, honestly, like as soon as they start pushing back on something like that viciously or that with that much intensity, then it's almost like, all right, you're basically telling me it's true (laughs) without telling me it's true
3: yeah it's That's a pretty basically
1: where we had it now if That's I was where we a are. betting
3: man I would I would almost always take that bet if they're pushing back yeah. on something on the mainstream uh, media and the mainstream uh, social networks it's probably true yeah
0: which is what has gotten me a little deeper into the nine eleven thing because I start to see articles like by the way you guys these conspiracies are super evil and you should never believe them
1: yeah I mean like look I, I think there's and I'm I've thought about this a lot too. Like, what is it? I think I think when like death is involved, you can probably make the case that like things that were you know may or may not be conspiracy theories, you know, whether it's appropriate to discuss. Like Sandy Hook. Like just the fact that like Alex Jones got the 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 backlash that he did over Mm -hmm. Sandy Hook. um, You know, maybe. I I don't know if I could say if any of it was justified. I don't, I don't know anything. I I can't state with full confidence that anything that happened there did. Mm -hmm. I can just only base off of it, off of like what news reports are telling me. Obviously a very tragic event took place. Mm -hmm. A lot of people lost their lives. Whether they're crisis actors, look, I have... <laughs> that is like a full... Maybe maybe that's Alex so Jones didn't have to go all the way right, to that. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And maybe, look, maybe he felt... Maybe he knows something I don't. But at the same time, the level of backlash is just so severe that it, whether he's throwing shit at the walls and things just don't stick, um, mm-hmm. that's just part of his brand. Mm-hmm. I like it's just to, to me it almost seems like this was part of the it was part of the overall strategy to start controlling people's speech online because no matter even if it was justified to go after Alex Jones that hard, mm-hmm. it basically created the precedent that all right, since Alex Jones did it, now we can get any we can get everyone else.
3: We, we've both talked yeah. about this extensively with Alex Jones. It was in 2018 they deplatformed him. And there was people who didn't want to speak up on his behalf because, yeah, look, it is kind of gross when you're talking about dead children maybe not existing at all. And then there's families that were affected by that, and it was hurt. And I, I've had held the same line this whole time is you have to defend people like Alex Jones, whether you agree with them or not, because as soon as Alex Jones was gone, it was very clear that they were going to come after everybody else. And it seems like we're going through that phase again after the Alex Jones trial. We're seeing people like Andrew Tate, who I'm not a fan of, being deplatformed, uh, the president of the United States being rated like it does seem like the escalation is is there as soon as they get the first domino to fall that gives them uh, uh, the ability to go after others
0: mm-hmm. I, I do want to say I do think it's really evil to shill a conspiracy theory you don't believe in you don't like truly have a reason to think could be true um, when when so many people die so 9-11 if you're doing that for views and you don't actually think this, this could be true then yeah, and that's why we wanted to do this this the way that we did it um, to honor to honor it because people people died and you know whoever was ultimately responsible or whatever combination of people were ultimately responsible. We, we never want to cheapen that, especially not for oh, for totally likes yeah, on Rumble or whatever. That's yeah,
1: that's the problem, I and mean, this is where I run into like issues with like Alex Jones because I don't know if he says this stuff to get notoriety, to get mm-hmm. headlines and, and clout. Um, but ultimately, what he what he said, he can't take back, um, and you can make you can make your criticisms of what he said without having to de-platform and de-person him. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, whether you agree with him or not, um, the, and there are people who believe that his speech should never be allowed to be anywhere. I mean, we have the First Amendment for a reason. You right, know, right. uh, he didn't commit any, he did not commit any crimes through his speech. Even if he had, even if uh, people, other people had grievances with him, they are mm-hmm. operating in civil... Core. It wasn't like right. he was criminally prosecuted here. Uh, he. There are other people who felt that he wronged them, and they sought damages, and they were awarded for damages. Okay. Yeah. So, but but like, if you're going to lock him up for his speech, then we've crossed the Rubicon. Right. We've entered a, a, a place where we're not the country that we supposedly thought we were. And yeah. I mean, uh, learning more and more each day that we're getting to that point where. Look, the people who supposedly founded this country was just not recognized it anymore based on how we operate today.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: I will I will, I will. say on Alex Jones' thing, I think it's two things. This is just my theory. Is I think there's two things with Alex Jones. I think he throws shit at the wall to see what sticks, 100%. He's done that for a lot of his career. And then I also heard an interview with him one time, and I think it was with Steven Crowder. And he basically said, and I, I agree with this, and I think a lot of people fall into this category, is they see so many things they thought were conspiracy come true that at some point you just start to lose your mind a little bit and you just start Mm -hmm. to be like, well, everything's a lie. And I think, I think Alex Jones has had those moments. I mean, we've all witnessed him on camera go nuts, you know, like we've seen it. So I think, I think it's a bit of both. I think, I think, uh, but one of the things I want to say about what we're trying to do, because you said, uh, you know, being responsible with stuff and like Abby said, shilling conspiracies you don't believe in. That's the way that I hope that we can always come at conspiracy is be like, this is what people are saying this is the interesting stuff. This is what we want to talk about, but not, uh, I don't ever want to come out and be like, yeah, I don't believe in this, but it's going to get me more likes if I, if I say I believe in this. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, like we don't, we're not always going to agree on, on the conspiracy stuff either. I just think that there's so much fascinating there that, uh, is worth talking about whether we believe it or not, that it's, it's worth doing. So.
1: Yeah, I think, I think for a lot of people, integrity does count for something at least. And they have at least enough dignity to acknowledge that. Look, uh, there's so many people out here that are saying peddling things that they just don't believe in why should I play into that for a quick you know viral tweet or you know going you know having a, a viral video there's no point right you know yeah. ultimately you know you could you you can lie to half of the people you know some of the time you could lie to some of them all the time but you can't lie to everyone all the time I think Lincoln said and that's like look, there are too many liars out there. And if you don't, we people like us don't need to sink to their level in order them. to try to combat them. Um, and I think that's where, I think that's what's so, infru- it's so infuriating because ultimately, you know, like nine eleven was what, and the Patriot Act, like all of that be, kind of like made me more left-leaning because mm-hmm. Democrats came out in 2007, 2008, as being very anti-war trying to get out of Iraq and then, you know, Mm -hmm. voted for Obama twice. And then, and then, then Trump came along and Trump sort of like basically, you know, lifted up the rock and exposed basically all the, all the rot that was happening in Washington and everything that I thought about with respect to Democrats completely changed because I realized that the party that I originally thought was, you know, all about like making people's lives better or doing the exact opposite. They just wanted to control people and make their lives worse. And I realized that if anything, if anything, if there's like a central ethos that anyone should like subscribe to, it's just being pro-freedom and pro-liberty. Like if the government is doing something that is, you know, letting people be more free and letting them live their own lives, we should support it. And if they're doing something that's obviously the opposite, like COVID lockdowns, we should be against it. I mean, it's right. pretty yeah. straightforward.
3: I think that's a conspiracy we all know is true: is the idea of the uniparty, and I think that's what a lot of uh, Trump has exposed. You know, there's people uh, in my family, and you know, with the with the Patriot Act, it was like, all right, well, I don't like what the liberals are saying, so I've got to support everything the Republicans do, and then they fall into supporting the Patriot Act, and it's like. Now looking back, it's like holy crap! Like, how did we ever, how <laughs> yeah. did we ever fall into this? It's because we believed in a party instead of in principles. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of uh, conservatives and and Demo- or sorry, not conservatives, uh, Republicans and Democrats who are kind of secretly working together t- for not not all of our goods. So at least that's my belief yeah. on it.
0: Yeah. So I think we need to get get wrapping this up. Yeah. But last chance for thoughts, and then where can everybody find you, Siraj? Uh,
3: so.
1: Uh, final thoughts. I will say this. Um, I am everywhere. Sharia is everywhere. Allah is everywhere. So, um, no, but if you really want to find me, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter. at Rajay Hashmi. Uh, Habibi power hour is the show that Jay and I do every Wednesday night, 9 PM East. And we, uh, have a lot of fun things happening, And the coming weeks and months, it all started because of COVID lockdowns and we got bored and uh, we're just like, he's out in California. I was in D.C. when we started and we're just like, hey, you want to just like do a live stream? We started doing it and we just kept doing it. And two and a half years later, we're we're basically in business (laughs) together. So it's a fun, like little little like venture. So like, yeah, COVID lockdown sucked and they're <laughs> awful and no one should have done that, but you know, silver lining to everything. Right. So yeah. we're on rumble. We do have, we do have our show on YouTube and Twitch, but uh, our home is rumble. That's where we, that's where we get all of our spicy takes and we don't get canceled or demonetized.
3: There we go. <laughs> well, we'll also link the, all of your links in the show notes below for people who are listening to this later or watching this later. Um, you can click all those links and follow Siraj anywhere.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, Suraj. Thank
3: you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: We're going to get you conspiracy-pilled before you know it.